Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, to inspire, and to encourage. On today's episode, we sit down with NFL Hall of Famer Tim Brown. Tim was a Notre Dame grad and first ever wide receiver to win a Heisman Trophy. He spent the majority of his NFL career with the Raiders. In 2015, Tim Brown was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. My conversation with Tim was very encouraging and hopeful that God's timing is always better than ours. Tim is uniquely gifted, not only on the field, but off. A good old boy from Dallas, Texas, who thought he'd marry his high school sweetheart and become a deacon in the church, ended up as the only player ever to retire in the NFL's top five leaders for both receiving and return yards. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready, because this is Write It Down. I'm sitting here on the phone with Tim Brown, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, But what I gathered the most from you, Tim, is you got a a heart for the Lord, you got a heart for people, and your story is so compelling. And I kind of want to hop right into um, when you were in high school. Uh, Weren't you in the band? I was. I was in the marching band my, uh, my freshman year. And I played the uh, bass drum. I was a percussionist. <laughs> I didn't know what that word was back then, but I guess that's what I was. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, so. Did you have to hide it from your mom? Because your mom wasn't, like, really big on board with football, right? No, so I had been playing for a couple of years, but she didn't know because when you're in the seventh and eighth grade, uh, you pretty much have practice during school hours, you know. So I wasn't coming home at 630 or something. I was coming home at a normal time, so she had no clue. And um, my freshman year, I played freshman football, but I was uh, in the varsity marching marching band. So now my sophomore year, I made the varsity team and got off to a really good start and had a couple of articles in the paper. And one of her friends told her that I was in the paper. So she thought I'd do some bad. So she was looking through the section, section of the paper where, you know, the bad stuff was. So I had to tell her, Mom, you probably should look in the sports section. <laughs> so she did, and she saw my face there. And she was like, yeah, I think she was mad about me playing football than, than she would have been about me getting in trouble. So, uh, but, uh, but her and my dad had a, a loud conversation that night. Wow. But he won. He won. So, um, so she really never, you know, she always wanted me to quit playing football even after I got... Uh, but uh, wow. she's a sweet lady. She wanted the best for me. Didn't want to see me hurt. Uh, anything of that nature. So yeah, uh, that was just a way of looking out for me. Man, I love that. I also, I mean, it's crazy to me because, um, like when Notre Dame, I, I heard about that story when Notre Dame came. They came to scout the uh, a player on the opposing team, right? And you ended yep, up having yep, like a yep. fire game. So, like, did you ever? Would you? Were you thinking that? Like, when you transitioned from literally playing the drums in the band and then going to play football, did you envision like this big career? Oh, oh, absolutely not. No, no, no. I mean, for me, football was the thing to do to, to be with your boys. You know, I played football, I played basketball, and I ran track, all just to be with my boys. You know, so it was not about. Um, being able to get a scholarship or anything of that nature, uh, you know, that really didn't take place until, you know, after I had this big game, like this, uh, my rival high school, Skyline High School here in Dallas, uh, we, I had that big game, and, and Notre Dame was the third in that game, and that Friday morning, 
I saw a guy from Notre Dame there, and the coach told me he was there to talk about me. And I was like, why was he there? Why? What did he want to talk about? You know, they was like, well, they may want you to come play football there. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it was just something that was so far-fetched in my mind that, you know, uh, it was really hard to believe, uh, even with the man standing there, that he was actually there to see me. Yeah. And, um... So, yeah, it, uh, it was pretty pretty unique situation. And that game, you scored four touchdowns, which I think you said the game before and the game after, you were, like, nowhere near that. It's like... Yeah, yeah. If things that came the week before, I scored one touchdown. They scored the week, come the week afterwards, I didn't score at all. I might. You know, so this is when you know that uh, a higher power is setting things in, in place for you. And, you know, the sooner we realize that, the better off we are. But, of course, yeah. being an athlete or being any kind of special, talented person, you often look at yourself first before you look at that higher power. Yeah. And, uh, and that's that's the mistake that we make, right? Absolutely. So when, when did you, like, become a believer? Like, have you always believed in the Lord? I mean, were you raised in it? And then at some point it became really real for you in your adult life? Like, what are some yeah. of those moments? Exactly right. You know, I'm born and raised in church, you know, I mean, Wednesday, Friday, all day, Sunday, uh, Church of God in Christ, you know, we, we church really hard, you know, so um, that was, it was just my life, you know, growing up. And of course, you know, you get to college and, you know, you have a little success, you get to the NFL, you have a little bit more success, you know, the women and all this stuff. Mm. You know, I wasn't a drinker, I wasn't, you know, you know, that kind of bar smoker and all that kind of stuff, so... Uh, but, you know, being in L.A. with a pocket full of money yeah. and you play a good football, Brooke, that, that's not a good combination. I, 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 can, I can only imagine. I mean, I've always, I've always wondered, like, how, how people stay rooted in that type of lifestyle. Like, who was it in your life that wasn't afraid to, like, call you out and be like, yo, Tim, it's getting to your head here. Like, you're out in L.A. and, you know, you're around all these party people. Who were some of those people that, would, that weren't afraid to call you out? Well, you know, I think the the most important person during that time, besides my parents and all that, you know, my parents were always really real with me uh, about what life was all about. But, you know, your spiritual leader, my pastor at that time, I can remember, you know, when I, when I won the Heisman and was a first-round pick, and uh, he called for me to meet with him in the office. And I was I was waiting, waiting for him to work it pat me on the back and tell me how great I was and yeah. tell me, you know, you know, enjoy this life that you've been given. And what what my pastor said to me is, only has you here for one reason, mm. for you to turn all this around and give it back to him. Wow. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> There's no way you know, he's talking about me. <laughs> this is not I want to be here. I want you to, you know, bless me to come and do anything I want to do. Right. You know what I mean? But, um, but, you know, every time I went to church, I felt like he was, he was speaking to me. Yeah. And, um, and, and uh, I, I think that was just, you know, obviously the call of God on my life. But, uh, you know, it took me years to really adhere to it. I mean, you know, I tell the story that, you know, in my mid-20s, you know, uh, after doing all my godliness, you know, sometimes it was hard to even look at myself in the mirror. Mm. because I knew I wasn't being the man that God wanted me to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I felt like and this, this is a story that, you know, that was real, revealed to me, like, years and years later, you know, that I 
to remember, you know, not having a horrible conversation, but just almost feeling like God is asking me, Tim Brown, what are you doing? Mm. And it's like I'm saying to God, like, hey, what do you mean, what am I doing? You know, I just got a five-three touchdown the other day. I just did this. I got this beautiful girl. We're yeah. all beautiful girls. Yeah. You know, I got this, I got that. What do you mean? Like, you know, I can't be any better. And it's like God was saying to me, oh, you think this is about you. Mm. So you you think it was you when you scored those four touchdowns, Yeah. you know, and Notre Dame just happened to be there. You think it was you to become the first receiver to win the high you mm. think all that's you? Is that the problem that we're having here? Uh, that you think this is all you? And, and you know, once I realized that, I literally had been setting me up all my life. You know, it humbled me. It really, it really humbled me because, um, you know, I think about you know looking at you know some of the plays that that you know you made these incredible touchdowns or whatever, and then you go back and look at it. And you look at it, you see. Everything that has to happen in order for you to even get the ball in your hand. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, the things that happen after, you know, the people that block for you, know, and you just realize, man, this is, you know, if this is not God, who else could it be? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, so I think for me, it took a while, but uh, when it hit me, it hit me, it hit me good. It hit you hard. I mean, looking back now, and if there's people out there listening that, whether they're athletes or people chasing a dream, um, at any point, did you regret actually giving it all over to God? You know, I I think for me, you know, I really believe that anything that God takes us through, he's taking us through it for a reason, Mm. you know, uh, and because he knows that we're strong enough to go through whatever he he puts on our plate. Now, do I, do I say sometimes now? I hope you know that I'm strong enough because I don't know that I'm yeah. strong enough yeah. to go through what you're taking me through. But because you are allowing this to happen in my life, then I'm going to do what you asked me to do and, and bear through it. But, uh, you know, I don't think I ever regretted anything. You know, sometimes I almost wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah. It's like, wow, if God is taking me through this, he must think, you know, he must know that I am, I am really dedicated to him, that I really love him, that I really, you know, uh, you know, that I, I am, uh, I am destined to, to do whatever he asked me to do. So, so I, I think for me, that's sort of how I now, I'm 20, 22 years into this thing now, right? Yeah. Now, you know, I can't say the first couple of years, you know, you know, it was like, well, let me just go back to what I was doing. Yeah. You know, that was sort of the reaction. Uh, but, you know, you mature, and once you mature enough, you realize, you know, I mean, God is only proving you for something bigger and better. Yeah. Absolutely. And something I gather from from your story, just from, you know, the Notre Dame scout coming and he was scouting your opponent and then he found you. And that's, you know, what paved the way for you to go to Notre Dame and have a successful career there. And then, you know, you're drafted by the Raiders. And I mean, the the thrill of it all. But the fact that I feel like with your life, God um, was very strategic in the people he put in your life. And um, in the timing of things. So um, I kind of I, I read up a little bit about your story, um, meeting your wife and just the timing of that all. Um, can you revisit that for us? Yeah, so <laughs> my uh, good friend, God rest his soul, Chester McGaughey, passed away back in 2011. Mm. Um, uh, he had come up to me probably a year and a half before I met my wife and really said to 
me, his words were to me, I met your wife last night. Um, and I was like, man, what you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was like, I met your wife last night. And I said, man, you crazy, whatever. And, you know, and, and I, I mean, he said that just sort of walked by me. Yeah. And, um, and then a couple of days later, he, he um, you know, he brought it up to me again, you know, hey, you need to, you need to meet this girl. And I was like, Chester, you know, because I knew Chester, right? And she was a beautiful girl. Then, you know, he was going to be all over it. Right. So, so I'm thinking, why are you passing this girl to me? Yeah, she must not be cute. tell me the real story? Yeah. You know? He's telling me, oh, she's a Christian girl, she, you know, she, she's a great cook, you know, she's this, she's that. And I was like, oh, why are you lying to me? Yeah. Why are you lying to me? Yeah. I mean, just tell me, you know, who she's been with. Yeah, yep. what's the catch? The what's the catch? Yeah. And, uh, damn, you're tripping, man. It's not like that. And I was like, dude, I can't believe that you're going to take this story that far. Yeah. I can't believe it. So, I mean, that literally went on for about a year and a half. Wow. That went on for about a year and a half because I wasn't, you know, I had no no intentions of all uh, ever meeting this girl because, you know, I thought that, you know, if she was living in that complex and a lot of football players were living in that complex and, you know, yeah. I know how football players are, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not just going to play that game. Uh-uh. So, long story short, um, he was getting married. Chester was getting married. Mm-hmm. And... So I'm sitting at a table you know, before the wedding starts with about 20 football players. You know, we're all sitting in chairs or whatever. And she walks in. I don't know it's her, but she walks in. and just as gorgeous as she could ever be. Yeah. And all the brothers was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. I'm going home with her tonight. That's the one I'm going home with tonight. So I just laughed because I, I didn't know who she was. Yeah. So Chester had, had us sitting together at the reception. And, and we just hit it off, you know, talking, whatever, whatever, like nobody else. Well, we act like nobody else was at the table because um, I had to leave to go to come back to Dallas. His name was my mom or something. And, uh, and I, on the way out, I told Chester, I said, man, who girl speaks? And uh, he was like, boy, that's a girl I've been trying to get you with for a year and a half. I said, uh, I said, bro, if I'd have met her, you know, uh, actually, I told him I met her, met her six months ago. Uh, we'd be the double wedding right now, so. Yeah, the timing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, but, 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 bro, during that time, I wasn't ready. You weren't even ready. Like, if you, if it would have been even six months prior, you were not at a spot where you could receive, you know, the greatness of your wife. And I think that goes back to, I mean, to the timing of everything that's happened in your life and, and, and just the way that God works, really. Um, he never works in our yeah. ti- in our timetable. And I think that's like right, right. The, the most beautiful thing um, with this. How, so I got to ask, in the NFL, is there like this um, notion that if a guy in the NFL gets married, like did the other guys you know, rat on them and they're like, oh man, you're getting tied down. Like, is there a little bit of that banter or is everybody at some point wanting to settle down or as, you know, cause you got young guys and old guys in the NFL. No, no, no. You know, I think marriage is uh, one of those things that everybody realizes how big a deal it is that you're not going to give, I mean, you know, I mean, guys may throw a heck of a, 
bachelor party for the guy or whatever, and uh, just to show him what he's given up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freedom. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, I think that's one of those things, man, that, you know, you don't try and interfere with it, and you don't try and, you know, uh, rag on a guy and, uh, you know, make him think, oh, well, you know, maybe... You know, maybe I should be there. You know, that's the last thing that you want to to have happen. So, uh, no, I think you know. I mean, believe it or not, people don't you know uh, don't believe that. But marriage is is really one of those things that is respected in the NFL locker rooms. Really, I would. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I would have never. I, I guess I could expect that because a lot of people in the NFL are married, but you just you wonder because it's a bunch of dudes with, you know, no offense, but a lot of money and fame. And, you know, so you, you wonder about that if it's like this weird stigma. But that's really cool to hear. We're going to take a quick break from our show to discuss Patreon. Patreon is a secure site that allows creators to make albums, videos, and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. So if you enjoy Write It Down, please head over to our website, xvxiii.com or spell out 1513.com in your browser. Click on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and show your support. Write It Down is made possible by the 1513 Network, so please send over your love, your support for the other shows as well. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Anyways, back to the show. I was also going to ask you, kind of like rewinding back to your time with at Notre Dame, like, tell me about Lou Holtz. Well, look, I mean... Um I just saw him last weekend, and uh, every time I see him, I literally bow down to him because mm. if not for him, you know, I, I just don't have the start in the NFL that I have, you know I mean? When he got to the University of Notre Dame, I was literally just a guy. I mean, I, I was playing, you know, I was on time to graduate. I mean, that was the most important thing for me. Um, so, you know, football was... was was on my mind, but it was it was really secondary. Yeah. You know, you want to go out and play well, of course, because you're playing in front of, you know, not only the student body, but you're playing on TV every week. And uh, so, from that standpoint, you want you want to be able to play well. So, um, so it wasn't that I didn't care about football, right? But my my focus was literally on being able to, uh, you know, graduate, go back home. Man, my high school sweetheart being deacon in church. That's what I told. Yeah. That's what I told. That's what I told Notre Dame what I was I wanted to do when I you know before I even came there. So when he got there, he said to me, "Hey, I think you can be the best player in the country after two days of practice." Wow. That's what he said to me, and uh, and I looked around like somebody else had came in the room because I was like, "Well, you can't be talking to me." Yeah, you talking to me? Because. Yeah, you know, I was like, Cause this is why I'm here, just so you know. Mm-hmm. I'm here to get this degree. I'm going to go back home, man, my husband, sweetheart, be a deacon in church. He said, well, you may do all those things, but you're going to be the best player in the country, too. And, um, you know, for two weeks, he was bringing me in, showing me what I was doing on on, uh, on the football field, things that he wasn't asking me to do, and I was doing them. Then he made the comment that I was the most intelligent football player that he had ever been around. Wow. And that made every, you know, newspaper, you know, company in the, in the nation seem like come to South Bend. And I, I used to tell, I used to joke around and say, well, I don't know what you guys are getting so excited about. 
he's only coached at Arkansas and Minnesota, so <laughs> <laughs> so Jim said I'm the most intelligent athlete. Doesn't go too far. Yeah. So, but wow. Um, but you know, I think after after that point, I realized that I had to listen to this guy, and and uh, if if things didn't go well for me, it it could be because I wasn't paying him any attention. Yeah. And uh, so I think from that standpoint, I just locked in on him. I just, whatever he wanted me to do, I did. And tried to do it, you know, 10 times harder than he wanted me to do it and 10 times longer, you know. So, and uh, I think just by doing that, you know, two years later, you know, I, I won the Heisman Trophy, so. Yeah. So, what what it, were, I mean, so it sounds to me like he had more confidence in you than you did in yourself. Like he Absolutely. was a- when it when it comes yeah when it came to football for sure because you know now you know I was very confident as far as you know the education and all that kind of stuff no one had to you know uh, get on me about that you know it was something that I wanted to do it was something I wanted to accomplish for myself so from that standpoint I was all over that but the football thing was yeah you know I, I'm gonna work hard I'm gonna do this but. You know, I'm just not going to talk about it. Once I'm done, I'm done. You know, I mean, after practice, I was just done with it. But, uh, but you know, and that's what I said to myself, and that was the thing that made me, that convinced me to, uh, to listen to him. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, this guy has more confidence in you than you have in yourself. Wow. You know, so let's let's you know let's listen to the guy, and let's just go and you know do what he asks you to do. You know, worst worst thing happened. You gonna see him graduate? You gonna see him go go back home? You know, high school senior become a deacon. You know, so yeah, be a deacon in church. You know, so you know, so I think from that standpoint, that's what I did. You know, I think by doing that, you know, I mean, he sort of opened my mind up to something that I had I had thought about previously. You know, so yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing when you're when you're younger and impressionable having somebody that's wiser than you speak those words over you, you know, saying that you, you have what it takes and I see something in you, you're going to be like, he spoke truth over you saying you're going to be the best. And I think when somebody speaks like that, when some, when someone like that speaks something like that over your life, you almost rise to the occasion. It gives you this extra little like to keep going. Um, so when you went into the NFL, who is like that one person for you? Who was your your Lou Holtz, so to speak, in the NFL? Uh, it was it was definitely Marcus. You know, Marcus. Um, you know, I don't know if he necessarily spoke over me like Lou did because Lou was really trying to build a build a team and trying to uh, you know get Notre Dame turned around. So you know, he he had a different motive, I believe, but. I learned how to play the NFL game by watching Marcus Allen. Wow. Um, you know, I learned how tough I had to be. I didn't know if I could be as tough as he was, to yeah. be honest with you. Not just, not just physically on the football field, but mentally tough. I didn't know if I, if I had that capability. Uh, but, you know, I know one thing for sure is I, that's what I was trying to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was trying to, when he left, the Raiders, after five years of us being together, uh, I realized that the team was then mine. And that meant that I couldn't bellyache, you know, the way I was bellyaching before because, you know, we were all bellyaching and then Marcus would handle everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so now now I'm the one that has a handle. And, you know, and from that standpoint, 
it's like, okay, now I have to, I have to be a grown man. It's time to grow up. Yeah. And I'm 20, I'm 27 years old at the time, but it's time to grow up again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the mindset that I took. I mean, um, you know, I realized that if I'm going to be a leader on this team, then what happens here can't be about me. It has to be about, it has to be about the team. Right. So from that day on, I never spoke about what Tim Brown wanted. I only, I only spoke about what the team wanted. Wow. And, uh, because, that's what I had learned from Marcus Allen, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I loved by then, you know, I was totally in love with the game of football. So, you know, going out playing hard, tough football on the, on the field was not uh, was not a problem for me. And, uh, but, you know, yeah, I, 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 if, if I didn't have Marcus there as an example of if he could go through it, then I can go through it too, then I, I definitely would have gone through it. Yeah. There's no way I would stay with the Raiders all that time and um, and dealt with what I had to deal with. Uh, I only did it because I knew if Marcus could do it, then I could do it. You know? Right. And and I, I want to pick up on what you said about it went from I to we. And I think that's the, the greatest... Um, the greatest leadership mentality is I think that's when you know you're a leader is when you stop going, well, I, you know, I, Tim Brown or I, Brooke Murata, and you start to go the collective we. Now we're here for the team. This Now we're building a team. And I think that tra- right, right. that, that transition of, of a mindset is, is maturity and it's leadership. And I think that's, um, you know, going back to the Lord, like I feel like the Lord really, really uses people in we settings when it's not just that lone ranger. And I feel like you... Yeah. you you really, yeah. you really learned that when Marcus passed that baton to you of taking over the, I mean, the Raiders. I mean, that's, in, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, what yeah. is the most special thing about your friendship with Marcus Allen? You, you asked him what yeah. is? Yeah, what is, what is the most special um, special thing in your relationship with Marcus Allen? Is, is he somebody like, okay, well, he always answers his phone. He's, he's always there for me in this time. Is it, you know, he always gives a word of encouragement. What's something that's super, like a special bond that you and Marcus Allen share? Yeah, you know, Marcus is, is full of words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Wisdom, you know, he is, he's always got a word for you. He's always got something positive to say, um, you know, if... Right. If you need, if you need uh, something, you know, if you need to be picked up, he is, he is that guy. Unfortunately, I had, you know, been in that situation where I needed him, you know, uh, in that way. But you know, there were some things that was going on, and he, he got wind of it, and mm-hmm. he was on the phone with me right away, like, okay, what's going on? What, the, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's happened? Da, 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 this and that. And it's like, you know, well, first I call him Big Bro. Big Bro, how do you find out about this? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I appreciate you, you know, reaching out. So, but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I really, you know, enjoy being around him and listening to him, you know, uh, giving out those words of wisdom. Maybe, maybe they're not meant directly for me, but, you know, you always get a piece of it, right? When, when you hear people talking. So, um, so I think, uh, you know, he, he is that guy because of the life that he has lived. He's been through it, done it all for the most part. You know, some things maybe he would do over, maybe not. But, um, at the same time, you know, I think that the wisdom that he has is, uh, 
you know, it's something that, you know, the only way you can get it is to live through it, right? Yeah. And uh, he's definitely done that. Yeah, I love that. It's it's funny. I don't I don't know if you like really know the story, but whenever I met Marcus, I didn't know who he was. I had no idea that he was a Hall of Famer. I I mean, I'm just I don't I can't even give you an excuse as to why I didn't. And it was funny because we were we were talking and and he spoke, you know, words of wisdom over me and was like, hey, so, you know, we were talking about like dreams and, you know, he shared part of his story about how he wanted to be on the football field. And I was like, that's how I feel with, you know, interviews. I want to interview people and, um, you know, just kind of bring the gospel through interviews in in a unique way. And he's like, okay, like, what are you doing to 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 do that? I was like, oh, I'm like starting a podcast. And he, you know, he's like, what can I do? That was like the thing that he that he said, and so to, yeah. to hear that like that's a um, that's a very uncommon thing to hear nowadays because everything's about how can I go and get mine and and, and yeah. reap benefits yeah. from it. So to be around people that are like minded that you know want to serve others, I mean that's that's a leader, you know that's a leader right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I also was gonna to ask you this. I'm just curious because I see your Twitter, I see your your tweeting. And you post a lot of scripture on there. Um, I love that. I think it's great. Um, I think that that we need to hear the truth. So I have to ask you, what is your favorite Bible verse? Or what is your favorite story in the Bible and why? Um, Well, you know, when I was going through my little transition, you know, one of the things that, that I was complaining about, you know, to God, I guess, uh, was that here I was trying to live this incredible life, live a life for Christ, and, and you know, because my reputation was so clean, mm. people were afraid of me. You know, literally, um, my agent would tell me that companies didn't want to deal with me because they said my, my reputation was too clean. Wow. And, and that meant that there was some fraud going on because nobody's reputation can be as clean as my reputation was. So right. that meant to them that as soon as they signed me, they were going to find out that I was slapping my girlfriend around. Or right, crazy, right. You know I mean? So, yeah. so, you know, people literally didn't have, so I was missing out on endorsements and things of that nature. And, and my grandfather was, uh, in the middle of passing at that particular time. And, one of his favorite scriptures was Psalms 121. Uh, it talks about, I lift up my hands to the hills which covered my health. And uh, and I just happened to be going through the Psalms, and I found Psalms 37. And it starts out by saying, fret not because of evildoers, and they would soon be cut down. Mm. And, and not that, you know, you want to see anybody cut down or anything of that nature, but basically what the scripture is saying is, if, if people out there are not doing doing good, um, they're not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. You know, so yeah. if they out there, you know, doing shaking their groove thing, as we used to say, and doing all that stuff and <laughs> doing all this craziness, and they getting all the deals, don't you fret about that. Because your reward is coming, you know, when you get to heaven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, there's some beautiful little passages in Psalms 37, Delight Yourself in the Lord. Uh, you know, mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. Um, they're, they're, they're just some very strong little nuggets in that, in that, in Psalms 37. When I sign my autographs, if I'm a, if I'm doing a long autograph, then you're going to end up with Psalms 37 on that, 
on an autograph because uh, to me, uh, it means just that much to me. Yeah, I love that. Has your have you always quote unquote had a clean slate? Like growing up, were you straight and narrow, pretty black and white? Um, you wanted to do the right thing, whether it's because you feared getting in trouble, or you know, then eventually it turns into actually fearing the Lord and wanting you know wanting what's best for your life. But were you always pretty clean slate? Well, let me tell you this: I got my last whooping from my dad when I was eleven years old, <laughs> <Nice>. and. <laughs> <laughs> I got my last whooping when I was 11 years old. And my mom was sitting there watching me get whooped. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and, and at the end of the whooping, she said to me something that resonated with me like no tomorrow. She said to me, all you have to do is do what we ask you to do, and you'll never get in trouble. Mm. And, and I was like, hmm. And I can remember going back to her after I finished with all that, <laughs> you know, all that kind of crying, right? Yeah. Um, Weeping. I can remember going back to her and saying, or, did you mean what you say? Did you mean that? If I do what you asked me to do and Dad asked me to do, I can never get in trouble. She said, absolutely not. And, and that's what I did. So, yeah. you know, I never got you know, in trouble again with, with my family. Um, so I just, I just, you know, I just played that over to to school with my coaches, you know. Uh, good thing I learned that because you know now that I'm married, you know that that's 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 a good rule to have. It's a, it's a very good rule to have. <laughs> just yeah, just do what she asks you to do, and you and, won't get in trouble. And right? you won't get so, in trouble. Um, yeah, you know. So I think for me, yeah, I, I, I've never been one to get in trouble for sure. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I was always the clean-cut guy, uh, even back in high school and college. But, um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed my life. Yeah. You know, but I think drinking and getting drunk, you know, smoking and doing all that craziness, doing drugs, to me, that's not fun. No. To me, that's dangerous, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I, I think from that standpoint, you know, um, you know, my kids think they think I'm boring and <laughs> they think I'm a dad or whatever, you know, but, you know, yeah, hey, you know, they, you know, they've never seen me dance. And I told me, look, back when I danced, you know, you could have somebody bending over in front of you slapping on the butt. You yeah. know, that's how we danced back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're like, consider yourself <laughs> lucky, kids. Right, um, right, right. So, like, so unless you want, unless you want to see your mama bent over like that, yeah, you <laughs> then you best behave. Well, I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's so interesting, you know, that you say that, like, oh, like people might call you boring or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, living a life like that, living a life based on obedience, actually brings freedom and a lot of great reward, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And so coming from a believer's standpoint of like, we're not meant for this world anyways. And I feel like it's super easy to get caught up in the world. And, you know, it's you, you could have, you could have very well altered the rest of your ending, but you didn't because you feared the Lord and obeyed him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, you know, I, I feel as if, you know, God allowed me to live that life when I was younger so now I can testify to what he what he's brought me out of. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you may think that I'm this, but I used to curse people out at the drop of a hat. Right. You know, I mean, that was something that I did because I had I had that curse of spirit. 
You know what I mean? And I was I was pretty good because I can throw some big words in, in between the cursing. You know what I mean? So <laughs> so <laughs> I can make you feel really bad about yourself. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, but to be able to say that I haven't you know cursed since 1998. Wow. You know, is um, is something that you know. Not that I'm proud of because it's all because the Holy Spirit constantly reminded me this is not something that you need to do. Right. Um, you know, that, that I that I'm able to keep going with that. But uh, now I tell people that some people deserve a good cursing out. So Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah that, so, that's the thing. Even in, right, even in that moment to be able to refrain and uh, refrain and and, and uh, you know, keep moving in a in a positive direction is uh, something that you can be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we all we all have struggles. So like if, if cursing was your struggle, you can look back and be like, wow, 20 years of not cursing, that's a victory for you. You know, some people okay. don't, don't okay. have a struggle with that. So it's not, I mean, okay. they have victories in other ways. And I think that's like that's right. the that's beauty right. of a personal relationship with Christ is it's not, right. he's not trying to modify everybody's behavior so that we act right. He's he's here right. for a personal relationship to help us through the things we struggle with. So, yeah, yeah. so um, kind of wrapping this up a bit. I don't want to take too much of your time. I really appreciate you um, coming on. Write it down uh, here in Melbourne, Florida. Um, but you have four kids. So what? What? How old are your kids? Did you have kids when you were in the NFL? Was it hard raising them while you were playing? So. Yeah, so um, we talked about that squeaky clean reputation. Uh, I guess the one thing that I didn't do the way I was supposed to is my first son is actually by my college sweetheart, right? Okay. So Taylor, Taylor is 30. Uh, he's a nurse down here at Children's Hospital. Wow. Uh, so I have three kids with my wife. My oldest daughter, Tamara, she's 21. She's a senior at LMU. Uh, out in LA, and um, we uh, we have twins, Timmy Jr. and Tamar T A M A R, who are sixteen, who are juniors. At um, well, he's an all boys school Jesuit, and she's an all girls school Ursula mm-hmm. uh, here in, in Dallas. So, um, so they they sort of Taylor um, obviously was aware of most of my career by the time he was seven or eight. He realized his daddy was a little different than other daddies. Um, so he pretty much got the chance to be a part of, you know, most, if not all of my career, being that he was born in 89. Um, but the twins and Taman, Taman was four or five years old when I retired. Uh, but uh, the twins, unfortunately, were only around for the last, uh, they were born on Super Bowl Sunday. What? So the night we we lost the Super Bowl in San Diego, they were actually born that night. Wow! After the game, so um, and I was able to make it back up to Oakland to be there for the birth. So, uh, but yeah, so they were born in 2003. I played the 2003 season, and 2004 then I retired. Wow. So was that was that a lot of stress having you know four kids while you're playing in the NFL? Um, you know, it, it wasn't you know because you know you had a wife who was you know absolutely supportive and what I had to do to go out and play football 
And um, so she did whatever she had to do as far as with the kids. And, you know, I I certainly, you know, made time for the kids, you know, um, you know, when I, when I could, certainly. Uh, her mom, you know, came and stayed with us for a while also to help out. So, uh, you know, to me, I think that's, that's, that's sort of the beautiful thing about the uh, maturation part of, of being an NFL player. You know, you go from being, you know, this rookie, you know, out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff and living that life for three or four or five years or whatever, and all of a sudden you're finding your way, settling down, settling down, pap, you're married, you know, you start having kids, you're bringing your kids to the game now, you know what I mean? You know, so it's just a, um, you know, a maturation process, I think, that that's really, you know, a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, wow. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you um, hopping on today on this beautiful evening. I know we had a lot of technical difficulties as far as our phone and our connection and you going through the country land of Texas. So is there something that you want us to take away? You write it down. Um, my write it down would be read the Bible. I love it. Read the Bible. Uh, that's what I I post. Um, I wasn't doing it every day, and now I'm probably four or five times a week. But I went to Jerusalem four four years ago, and literally, you know, it just I came back from that thinking I have to be able to do something. I have to do more. I have to do more. What what God laid on my heart was uh, to put a Bible Bible scripture out there on a daily basis. And, uh, and I added, you know, read the Bible, you know, because a lot of people listen to people, but they don't read. Mm. Uh, but I would just encourage people to read the Bible for itself. And don't, when you're a pastor, if you go to church and somebody is preaching or whatever, you should, what you hear should be confirmation of what you read. It shouldn't be the first time you heard it. Yeah. And, wow. uh, you know, because... Uh, you know, you, you have to know the Bible for yourself because there are people out there that will say anything to get you to come to church. And you have to be able to discern what is true for this and what is what is man, what man is add to it, you know. So you yeah. have to be very careful about that. I, I love that. I love, I'm challenged by that as well because I can listen to sermons or podcasts or, you know, have eloquent conversation with other believers about the word but there's there's nothing like actually reading the bible reading god's word and letting him speak to you through god's word so i absolutely love that um well tim it's been a pleasure having you on the write it down podcast with the 1513 network um your story is super impactful i mean god's timing the strategic um placement of people in your life and just the way that you govern your life so i really really appreciate you hopping on and i'm glad that we have a mutual friend of Marcus Allen and how wise he no is. <laughs> well, Brooke, I really appreciate it. I, I love what you're doing, so keep up the incredible work. And um, if I can ever help you in the, in the future, please uh, call on me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. You have a great rest of your evening. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at WIDP1513.
P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.